Hi, everyone. This is your Cyber Path. This is the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job. I'm Kip Boyle. I'm here with Wes Schreiner, and we're experienced hiring managers of cybersecurity professionals. And if you want to give us feedback on the show, or if you want us to answer your question on a future episode, all you have to do is visit the show page. It's at anchor.fm forward slash your cyber path. When you get there, there's a message button. Press that and start talking, and we will get your question or comment. So let's talk about uh, skills. So here's the thing. What if you have a gap between your current skills and the employer's required skills for your dream cybersecurity job? What do you do? That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and it's going to be a good conversation. I, uh, I had an interesting happen this week. Interesting thing. Uh, we were uh -huh. plumbing the well, the agricultural well on the property. Um, mm. I had a friend over. and because neither you have of us a farm. I have a farm and neither of us know how to plumb a well. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, could so, you just back up for just a moment? We had a bit of a what skills does it gap. Mean to, what does it mean to plumb a well? I don't even know what that is. I'm, uh, a, I'm a suburban guy. I, I got a 90 foot tap. hole in the ground. <laughs> I got a little pump that drops down in there and a hose that comes out. I was mm. able to get that and I can squirt water in the air. Right. And, and, and that was one of the most amazing things coming to the farm was I can get water out of dirt. And that was awesome. <laughs> but but uh, once I got over that, now I've got to be able to get water to each corner of the yard. And how mm. do you plumb a well water to the treehouse, right? Or to the tractor over there in the corner. Mm. And so it it was really a skills gap for me. But I was there with a, a fellow who was also willing to learn. And uh -huh. we did our best. And right now, the the there is water at a post about 20 feet from the treehouse, And so um, I, I'm not saying we know exactly what we're doing, but we knew enough and we knew uh -huh. who to call and we solved our skills gap. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So I think it should be fun. Yeah, definitely. Skills gap. So, I mean, just about any time you think about applying for a job and you read that JD, um, you're going to detect gaps. Um, and I think that just goes with the territory. You know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how to write your resume so your skills clearly match those listed in the posting yeah. as being required by the employer for the job, right? Yep, we did. Yeah. And so let me just recap. So what that means is a few things. Like, first of all, th is that you've defined your own skills, right? That you've actually yeah. written down what you can do. Um, the second thing is that you've organized your skills into logical groupings because yes. you probably have a ton of skills and you you need to put them in some buckets so you can find them and put them on um, uh, put them on the application in a way that's going to make sense for the hiring manager. Uh, we also made sure to point out that you either need to eliminate or properly qualify any aspirational skills, right? <laughs> so it's like... No, I don't know how to work in AWS right now, but I want to. And you may no, be tempted to yeah. say that that's a skill. What you really want to do is say, I aspire to that. So go back and listen to the previous episode and we'll tell you exactly how to do that. A resume um, is not an exercise in creative writing. <laughs> not unless you like to live a roller coaster life where you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow <laughs> when you show up for work and they mm -hmm. say, oh, fraud on the resume. Thank you very much. You'll be leaving now. Um so, but to continue the recap, right? So you, you've done all the things I've just described. You looked at the job description, you've identified your skills and you've matched them up to what the employer's looking for. 
and uh, and then the other thing that we've talked about is is you have to tie each skill that's relevant to the job that you're applying to uh, down into the job history bullets, right? So if I see a skill listed, I should be able to see in your job history where you where you acquired that skill or where you used that skill to create business value. Exactly. If we can tie it together like that, we're telling the story for our employer so they can see it easily. But what do you think? Yeah. What do you do? And believe it you... or not, that's selling. So, it you is. know. Uh... <laughs> so what do you do if you have only a few matching skills? I mean, ideally, your skills list is a reasonable match for the position. Um, hopefully, mm-hmm. we're getting more than 70%, maybe. I, I don't think we're going to get to 100. So So what do we do there? Well, I think the only way you're going to get to 100, by the way, is if you're applying for a job that you're overqualified for, right? So, um, so you know, keep that in mind, you know, is that if you're seeing a 100% fit, you're probably going um, uh, sideways in this job. In other words, you know, you're not moving up with this job change um, or, or you may be even going backwards a little bit. So, you know, so what is a skill, skills fit? I mean, it is kind of squishy. Um, and we've actually, um, there's actually a lot of, uh, study on this as far as like, you know, if somebody sees that, oh, you know, I fit about 70% of what they look for, am I going to feel like, Hey, that's a win. I should, I should apply for it. But we also know that some people look at that and say, oh, I'll never get that job. There's no point in, in applying. And then there's still other people that see a 90% fit and they still think that's, that's too much of a stretch. So um, people are kind of all over the place on this, and that's why it's squishy. And some of that might be a gender uh, interpretation as well. I think we see that mm-hmm. in some studies. And so yeah, my big encouragement here is mm-hmm. don't, don't rule yourself out, right? You can't yeah. really trust that job description to be uh, uh, custom and perfectly written uh, for this job, right? There's a lot of job description reuse. Is yeah. it really describing the job available? <laughs> you can assume no one spent an hour writing a brand new document for this job, right? So weird things are going to appear. That's okay. Skip over them and keep going because I don't want you to rule yourself out just because uh, there's a weird line in there that somebody didn't edit out. Yeah, and I think what's tough for job for job seekers, job hunters is really what I want for our audience. Not don't just seek jobs, hunt for them. Hmm. Um, is it can be difficult to know, like, okay, this looks weird in the JD, but um, but is that a true mistake? Is that is that an oversight? Is that a result of somebody just quickly recycling the JD because they just don't have a lot of time, or is that for real? I mean, that can be difficult to discern when when you're a job seeker but any but i'm glad you pointed that out because at least now our our listeners know that you know um that sometimes when you see that uh it's just an artifact of 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 somebody trying to move fast and and just get a lot done they're being sincere right they're not deliberately trying to mess with you but um but sometimes that can happen um but you know Based on my own experience and the comments that I read on social media, again, it's just not an easy judgment. Um, but, you know, uh, Wes, what, what I'm wondering is, you know, what's stopping cybersecurity hiring managers from taking more care when they create their job description? So I saw this on LinkedIn uh, last week. I don't know him, but Sebastian Ramirez posted on LinkedIn I saw a job post the other day. It required four plus years of experience in fast API. I couldn't apply as I only have one and a half plus years of experience since I created that thing. 
<laughs> Maybe it's time to reevaluate the years of experience equal to skill level. <laughs> that's that, perfect. I mean, oh, if you invent the technology a year all, and a half it? ago, you'll never have four years experience in that. And we've got to, as a as a job seeker, understand that some of those years of experience are really just, are you an expert? Are you intermediate? Tell me more about where you're at. Yeah. You know, in my experience, sometimes things like that happen because, um, you know, maybe the hiring manager kind of sketched out what they were looking for uh, in terms of a position that they needed to fill. But maybe somebody, maybe the recruiter in the HR department, you know, looked at that and not being not being familiar with fast API or knowing, you know, knowing how long it's been around. They just kind of said, well, um, for the position for this position at this pay rate with this title, that's a four plus years of experience. Right. I mean, that's a that's a pretty reasonable explanation of what might have happened. Right. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I know a, a skills fit for me is where you demonstrate at least enough skills that it's a logical conversation for technologies, capabilities, and experience levels, right? We mm-hmm. can anticipate the required skills long before the job interview. And we should be doing that, right? Even if the list on the job description seems weird. So every technology job is going to have some form of this recipe. I need okay. you to be an expert in XYZ technology. You also mm-hmm. need to be kind of good with A, B, and C technologies, processes, or methodology. You need to be a great verbal and written communicator, able to work alone and in groups, and some sort of certification preferred. Yeah, that's a pretty standard recipe. Um, and uh, and depending on the situation, that, that could either describe a lot of people that are looking for jobs, or it could actually be describing not just a unicorn, but a purple unicorn <laughs> with... <laughs> With sparkles in its mane. I mean, you know, sometimes this stuff is just like it's impossible. Um, but but let's let's look at it. So it's a pretty standard recipe. So what skills would you emphasize as a hiring manager um, so where on the, that list? Where the skills are a direct match, call those out, right? It's okay to mention early in the discussion that you've had several years experience writing chef recipes for some environment and that Python mm. is your favorite scripting language. In fact, you should... Focus on the positive things that you do know, the ways you would normally solve problems. Mm -hmm. And then in places where you have gaps, you don't need to spotlight that yourself. It may be that the homework you did is going to be enough. I'm not saying you should make up answers. That's an immediate penalty flag, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is no reason to start a skills conversation with anything negative. Right. Okay. All right. Good. So um, there's no need for you to uh, to bash yourself before uh, anybody gets a chance to do it, I think is another way of saying that. Um, okay. You know, in our master class, the one that I mentioned at the end of every episode, one of the things we talk about uh, is parallel skills. And I think that's kind of relevant here. Yeah. So w- tell us about parallel skills. What are those? Oh, yeah. So parallel skills is something that um, that you do when you're uh, applying for a job, and again, there's a skills gap, right? And and you're and you're, and maybe you're not even close, but but you do have some experience that relates. And so um, the use case that I uh, I will often mention this uh, idea, uh, you know, when when I'll bring it up, parallel skills is when you're a non when you're a person who has a non technical background and you want to move into 
a role that is information security focused, which could either be a non-technical role or a technical role, but you're trying to get into information security or cybersecurity. And I'll give you some examples. So, for so, um, you know, we need to do da data governance as part of of information security work. And so, you know, you maybe you're a librarian, maybe you've got lots of experience as a librarian, and you want to cross over and you want to work on data governance. Well, you've got a lot of parallel skills, right? You've never done data governance before, but you certainly know how to manage data and uh, and you've got a solid foundation for what does it mean to govern data. Uh, another example would be a project manager. So maybe you've managed projects, maybe they're IT projects or maybe... Um, you know, in the marketing department or something like that, and you want to come over to cybersecurity, well, oh my gosh, there's a lot of parallel skills there. I mean, projects need to be managed. They're pretty much managed in, in very similar ways, conceptually similar ways. Teachers, maybe you're a teacher and you want to start doing security mm -hmm. awareness and training. Tons of parallel skills there. Um, believe it or not, there's actually a couple of other really interesting ones that I've encountered, encountered for, like a bartender. Bartenders are incredibly savvy <laughs> with people. So I think there's a ton of parallel skills for a bartender to aspire to be a social engineering tester or, you know, a phishing tester or something like that. Um, again, if they have the aptitude for the for the technological things that they're going to be encountering. And I think if you have a background in law enforcement, then working in a security operations center or an incident response team might be a great fit for you. Tons of parallel skills there, but um, but again, you know, it, it it parallel skills are good. You also have to have aptitude, and then you have to go get the hard skills as well. But you know, this can be really helpful for people who want to cross over. That sounds a lot like what I did with the well. Uh, I have plumbed, <laughs> I have plumbed a bathroom sink. I have done it with PEX pipe, and I have jumpered that PEX pipe from copper, and. There was no copper and there was no PEX involved in the well, right? But I was using poly pipe. I can use barb connections. I could drop to a brass fitting. I can set the shutoff valve and I can go to the silcock to uh, in the ground all the way out there, get it connected up and turn on the water. <laughs> and so I, uh, uh, I've i never done that before, but I did something similar. And, and you still got to make sure your fittings are tight. So it worked out okay. Right. It's transitional skills. I'm sorry, but skills. to my ears, you sound you sound like an expert. The way you <laughs> used all that jargon, well done. I read a lot well of done. YouTube to get there. Bamboozles me. You're hired. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so interviews are way more than a pure technical fit discussion, right? It's really important to make sure you're yeah. checking the technical fit boxes, but it's not required to have every skill on the list. You've heard it said, mm -hmm. "I can teach football, but I can't teach heart." The same is true in corporate yeah. America. If you can teach football, but you can't teach heart, if I'm hiring an ArcSight analyst, the person coming in should have logged into ArcSight before. That's for sure. But that's the technical yeah. bit. If the person can demonstrate why I need them with their analysis skills, and that will be part, that'll be the part that gets them the job. Now, mm. maybe, just maybe, I have a team of amazing analysts and I really do need an ArcSight expert. If that's the case, right. you're not getting the job. But you can't know that from the description. So don't weed yourself out of that one before you get to the interview. Oh, that's that's really insightful and really helpful because job seekers, you know, I mean, the JD doesn't always tell you what's a hard requirement versus what's not a hard requirement. Sometimes it does. But I mean, let's think about that. So um, so I, I, I understand ArcSight because I've used a competitive pro product, but but and maybe I've, I've seen screenshots of ArcSight, but I don't consider myself to be an ArcSight expert. I think I can pick it up, 
but I might not apply because I might kind of make up in my head, well, because I've never actually used ArcSight, that means that they'd have to train me right away. They might have to spend $5,000 or more to train me, and I've just shown up. They're never going to do that, so there's no point in me applying for this. Like, I'm not even going to try. Okay, I mean, so these are these I, are the voices in your head talking way. to you, Kip. These are the voices yeah, telling you you're not good enough, I you're know. not smart enough, and that's totally not true. <laughs> we know that about you, and we know that about our, our listeners as well, right? Hiring a yeah. new staff is way more expensive than any five $5,000 ticket. This person okay. is joining my team. If they help me succeed, I get a promotion. If they don't, they may actually slow down the rest of us. Mm. I have every incentive incentive to help this person succeed and see this team win. It's your goal as the candidate to convince me that this team can win more with you on the team than not. And that's not always about the technical skills gap. No, it's it's not. It's about having heart. It's about having confidence. It's about leaning into the situation. Um, but, but just kind of going back to why would somebody think that, you know, because I've never really, you know, used ArcSight or some other tool that, um, that they're not going to spend the money to train me. And, and I can tell you that I, I've worked in environments where training dollars were reserved for the good people, right? Like it was a perk, you know, so you had to prove yourself and there's no way somebody, you know, fresh into the team was going to get that kind of a perk. And so if I've worked in that kind of an environment, then that's where my mindset is, um, you know, when I'm thinking about making an application or going into the interview, what would you, what would you tell our listeners about that? As a candidate, I'm not going to walk in and say, hi, I need you to train me in order to get started. No, that, that's not how I approach this, mm-hmm. right? I would say that I can learn the mechanics of an application in my spare time, right? I'm a learner and I like to learn. Mm-hmm. I learn quickly. I can go to a training or I can learn by doing, right? You'll see I'm proficient with this application in the first yeah. couple of months uh, with or without training. Okay, so we're talking about hunger, right? As a candidate, you're saying, look, um, I've, got, I've got skills and I can figure this out whether you uh, are going to train me or whether you're just going to turn me loose to figure it out on my own. However you want to do it, I'm going to make it work for you. And hunger goes a long ways. That is a huge message you want to come across as a candidate in your Mm -hmm. interview cycle, right? I am eager to be here. Uh, Common question, why do you want to work at this company, right? You're answering a hunger question. That's that's where we start, right? So when I think about Don't tell them you're hungry for a paycheck. No, that's not the right one. Uh, When I think about interviewing, I think about what, what kinds of fit I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for a technical fit, a team fit, and a shared direction. This week, we talked a lot about technical fit and a little bit about my my well excursion. Uh, mm. Next week, I think we want to talk about how to build the team fit and communicate where you want to go next in order yeah, to really round great. out that interview. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Let's, let's count on that, listeners. Um, that's what we're going to talk about next time. Now, listen, if you like our podcast, then I would like you to to consider signing up for our masterclass. It's called How to Get Your Dream Cybersecurity Job is told by hiring managers like me, like Wes, and other people, other hiring managers that I've had uh, help to create this course. And um, you may not know it, but back in April, just a little while ago, we had one of our students get his dream cybersecurity job before he even finished all the lessons. 
It's an inspiring story. I was inspired. If you want to read about it, if you want to listen to this story, you can listen to Steve uh, tell you about it. Just go to yourcyberpath.com forward slash Steve, and you can even check out uh, a different uh, podcast called The Insecurity uh, podcast where uh, Steve tells you all about it. So check that out. But um, in the meantime, I want you to remember you're just one path away from your dream cybersecurity job. And we'll see you next time.